Welcome. You are listening to Sunday Afternoon Films with me, Christopher Windsor, part of the Iconochromatic Podcast Network. Before I begin, I will warn you, there will be spoilers about the film, so if you've not seen this before, I would recommend switching off, watching the film first, and then coming back and listening to this podcast. Other than that, enjoy the show. Good afternoon and welcome to Sunday Afternoon Cinema with me, Christopher Lindsay, and with my co-host, Mike Larkin. Say hello, Mike. Oh, my. And this week we are going to be talking about the classic Martin Scorsese, The Departed. It is a wonderful squib fest, I think would be the best way to describe it, um, about the, about the set in Boston, about two policemen, one is a rat, one you suspect is a rat, but you, you're never quite sure during the film. It's based upon a 2002 Hong Kong film named Infernal Affairs. It very much follows the same storyline of Infernal Affairs. So if you've already seen Infernal Affairs, you'll basically know the story of The Departed. The thing with The Departed, though, is it seems to expand upon what's already in Infernal Affairs. Have you seen Infernal Affairs? Just out of interest, Mike. I haven't yet. It, it is on my watch list. Mm. Uh, I just haven't got round to it. I want to be honest. I was going to watch. I was trying with the idea of watching it before or alongside the Departed, and I thought I, I thought I'd give it a miss for now because I didn't want my my judgment of one being coloured by the other. Yeah, I mean the truth is, if you've seen The Departed, you don't necessarily have to watch Infernal Affairs. Um, the way that Infernal Affairs is, for those of you who don't know, is it's not a singular film. It's actually a trilogy of films. And the way The Departed works is it takes the main storyline of Infernal Affairs, it takes part of the storyline from Infernal Affairs 2, and it, I believe it takes the ending of Infernal Affairs 3 and puts it all into the one film. Now, the thing about Infernal Affairs, and I've been... I've been wondering all week, Mike, about how much we want to go into the storyline and how much we want to go into spoilers. Because the thing with The Departed is, if you sat down and you could explain the story in two ways, you could either, you could either explain it in very simple terms and it would take you a minute, or you could explain the storyline and three hours later the person would turn around and say, and say what? Just watch, just watch the film. It's just easy to watch the film, and really, I think that's the best way to approach this. I, I don't think, think we should go through the storyline because otherwise, we'll be here all night. Frankly, if we were to, as you rightly say, the storyline. I mean, it's a fantastic storyline. It's one of my, it's my favorite Scorsese movie. Um, I agree. Um, we went through the storyline, as you say, and we dissected it. There are so many tangents in the movie. That we we could spend probably a full day. Oh, easily, absolutely, very very easily, yes. Okay, so just to give a brief synopsis of what this is about, you have got two rookie cops that have just joined the force. You've got Billy Costigan, played by the wonderful, and this is how this is how good I am. I've got a fine to be up in front of me. You've got Billy Costigan, played by Leonardo DiCaprio, and you've got Colin Sullivan, played by Matt Damon. Both men are, are both, both are policemen in the Boston Police Force. One of them has been in the police force, gets sent down to jail for a crime, comes out and starts working under, under a um, undercover investigation group for Frank Costello's mob, mob group, whereas Matt Damon is working for the police, but is working underground with the police, working with Frank Costigan. In and you see, I'm already getting a bit confused, and I only I only watched this film last night. It, it's it's a bit strange. It's a it's a Mexican standoff. Mm. A legit, it's the, uh, an entire movie made from a Mexican standoff. Is the is the only way I can think to describe it? Yeah, I mean the one key difference really between Infernal Affairs and The Departed was that, okay, from your simply seeing The Departed, okay, thinking back to when you first saw it, did you immediately pick up on the fact that the Colin Sullivan character was in league and was in bed with Frank Costello? 
Not immediately. I, I wasn't sure because it, it's it's not just blurred lines. The lines are not there. Um, between who's who's on which side. Right. So it's, ne- it's never really that clear who the good guy is and who the bad. Well, nobody's good in this movie. I mean, absolutely oh, not. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, 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 it's morally dubious as to kind of who's playing who. I mean, that, that is the great thing about the two characters. You've got Colin Sullivan, who seems to be this goody-goody two-shoes, playing it by the book, you know, wouldn't hurt a fly, but turns out to be this really evil son He's of a bitch. And you've got... Yeah. You've got um, Billy Costigan, who is this evil son of a bitch in front of everyone, but deep down you get the feeling he's not that bad of a guy. Yeah, I mean, it, it really does. Um, I think in this movie, you know when you read a review that says, oh, this movie will take you for a ride. Yes. This movie doesn't, doesn't just take you for a ride. It ties your feet to the back bumper of a car and drags you along the road. Very much so. I mean, maybe it's because I have already seen the... Maybe it's because I already saw Infernal Affairs before I saw The Departed. But I... what I thought it was fairly obvious from the very beginning whose side everybody was on. I, I thought it was fairly clearly laid out. I, you know, I, I wasn't confused in the least. And I did think at the time... How is anyone going to be confused about this? I don't understand. And I mean, that is one thing I'd like to just touch on um, for a minute, because I think it's relevant. When The Departed first came out, I knew very little about Martin Scorsese. He wasn't really a director that I followed, especially, to be honest with you. And, you know, as far as I was concerned, Leonardo DiCaprio was the bloke who hung off the back of the Titanic and kept on crying about Rose and wouldn't get on a bloody on, on a bloody piece of wood because, well, for whatever reasons, I thought he was a wreck rag. I had no time for him. And I said, you know what? I don't want to watch this. I've seen the original. I've seen the Chinese original. Why on earth do I need to see this second-rate remake of what was a classic film? And when I finally got round to watching it, swallowed my pride and said, you know what, I can't take that attitude, I was blown away and I loved every single minute of it. Oh, here's the thing. For me, this movie is is Nicholson's Godfather. Mm. Nicholson um, is fantastic. I don't know if you know this. Nicholson was originally offered the role in The Godfather and turned it down. Because he said, this is an Italian movie. <laughs> he said, you need Italian actors. I'm not Italian. And that's legitimately why he turned it down. And I think, you know, 30-odd years later, you've come back to him. And he, he turned this down at first. And it was because he thought, well, I've done a few, you know, a few comedies and I really want to play a bit of an evil bastard. That's so, the reason we signed on to this. Um, my God, does he, he blows out the water. Let, let's, let's take a minute, actually, to look through the cast, because God knows it's a stellar cast. As I already mentioned, you've got Leonardo DiCaprio and you've got Matt Damon, who very much play off well against each other. Uh, you've got the aforementioned Jack Nicholson. Um, you've got Mark Wahlberg, who, see, who people seem to be a bit on and off about. I really don't know why people seem to have such a problem with Mark Wahlberg, but apparently they do. Um, you have the wonderful Martin Sheen. You have the wonderful Ray Winston. And a whole host of other people who yeah, are fun. perfectly casted. Vera Farmiga, unknown at the time. I've seen her before. I know her, but I can't remember why. I mean, I want to... She's in... She's in those... Um, the horror movies with the guy out of Watchmen. Oh, The Conjuring? Yeah. And she was also in um, Up in the Air with George Clooney. Yeah, she was. Um, a very good film. Yeah, and she's... She's got, I mean, she's got a few films coming out, but let's see. The Conjuring, as you say, Up in the Air, uh, The Boy in Striped Pajamas. I've never seen that, but I know that I need to. Again, Source Code. She was in Source Code. I seem to remember watching that, 
but I can't remember if I have or I haven't. And another remake of the Manchurian Candidate. That was good. That was very good, I've got to say. I mean, I, I'm not overly happy with her character, but, you know, let, let's come back to that, uh, you know, in, in, in a few minutes. In fact, let, let, let's take the time to go through the characters for a second. Okay, so, we've got Billy, who, as I say, is a character who was um, training to be a policeman. He was basically brought in after being um, in, in training and said, you know, do you want to be a cop or do you want to pretend to be a cop? You know, do you want to go undercover with us? What did you think of him as a character in this? Because honestly, I think he was the best thing in this entire film. Billy w was an amazing character. Um, I mean, it showed, showed the man really struggling at times. With with a kind of with his dual identity of being, you know, he's still a cop, but he's being told to work for these really unsavoury characters and do these really nasty things, all in the name of protecting the law. And you know, the kind becomes a breaking point where he he goes to the doctor and says, "Listen, I need pills to get through." I will not survive. I will. I will go home and shoot myself in the head, because I'm that torn with with what I'm doing. And he really does straddle the line. And Matt Damon, by comparison, is is a boy scout throughout the movie. <laughs> you know, because he's the one that's that's playing a good cop. He's not the good cop playing the bad guy. He's the bad guy playing the good cop. And he plays it very well. He does play it very well, you know. He pulls the wall over everyone's eyes. I think it goes back, you know, when when Billy's getting kind of brought in. You know, they keep on bringing up his family, his upbringing, and really kind of ragging on him for that. And nothing has ever looked into as to. As to Collins, Collins' background, because he's not directly related to any, to any of these gangsters. He's kind of been informally adopted, if you will. And, and um, it's quite, I think it's quite a different role for Matt Damon in a way as well. I mean, you know, if the, the, the films that really stack out for me as far as Matt Damon are concerned, um, you know, are the, are the Kevin Smith films that he was in. And obviously um, the Jason Bourne films, which I've not seen, and it's not that I dislike them; it's just that they're not films that I'm especially interested in seeing. And the same could be said for for Leonardo DiCaprio. I mean, I think for most people, if you said to Leonardo DiCaprio, "What's the best film you've made in the last ten years?" I think a lot of people would probably say Wolf of Wall Street. But I think this is his best role. I think. I think it's between this and Shutter Island for his best role. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong, I love Wolf of Wall Street. But can you really give him the whole credit for that movie, for that role? No, I don't think so. As good as he is, I think that he was simply the catalyst that kept everybody around him. Whereas in this... I think he really went out there and did his own thing on his own. I mean, this is, Wolf of Wall Street was about one man. It's 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 a kind of it's a one man show. This is very it's an ensemble film. Yes, very much so. Very much so. Uh, it's 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 not it's not one part. It's the sum of all its parts. Because again, you've got great performance. Alec Baldwin. <laughs> yes. you know, now better known as President Trump <laughs> was was amazing and he had such great lines he, he, he had such quick lines that, that were wonderful I, I can't remember I can't remember the line word for word but the, you know there was a conversation between the Alec Baldwin and the Matt Damon character who was like um, 
you know, do you want to smoke? No, you don't want to smoke. You're a healthy freak. You motherfucker. What's the matter with you? What's the matter with you? Have a smoke. Ah, fucking calm down. And it's just, it's, that is obviously not what he said word for word, but it was effectively in that delivery and it was very well done. And the interplay between him and the Mark Wahlberg character as well is wonderful. There's a great moment where, where they're having a sliding off match about their mother sleeping with their father sleeping with them and it's just it's just a wonderful oh, series of lines it's it's a go go fuck yourself <laughs> oh, i'm tired of fucking my wife sorry i'm, I'm tired of fucking your wife go fuck your mom she she's tired of fucking my dad <laughs> <laughs> it's just wonderful uh, it's just like I mean, I don't know if you know this, but Mark Wahlberg, growing up, actually grew up in Boston. Um, I didn't know that, but I could believe it. And, you know, back in his youth, he was, he was a bit of a, bit of a let's, let's call him a chair away. Oh, yeah, uh, I mean, I, I remember seeing him on Top Gear and him talking about his youth, and basically he was a little bit of a, he was a bit of a bastard, let's be honest. He was a bit of a bastard, and he, he got, got arrested several times. And he actually based his performance off the cops that arrested him. <laughs> and he does it very well, to be fair. He does do it very well, because, t- to be honest, if I, was a, if I was a young cadet sitting across from him, I'd be fucking terrified. I'd be going, no, shit, I'm retiring. I've been <laughs> on the floor one day. I'm, that's it, I'm done. I think the interesting thing about um, Dignam, the Mark, Wal- the Mark Wahlberg character, is you learn an awful lot about him throughout the film, obviously, but also at the very beginning in the first meeting between um, Billy Costigan, um, the um, the um, Queen and character played by Martin Sheen, and um, the aforementioned uh, Dignam character played by Mark Wahlberg. Where, you know, basically Queenan is interviewing him and basically trying to figure out, you know, what what is what he's made of, what he's like, and the Dignam character is just having a go at him, saying, but you know, swearing, shouting, putting him down, insulting him, <laughs> ma- making him feel like a complete scumbag, and then turning around and saying, well, you know what, we need you, we want you. You're so good at what you do. We have to have you on our team. You know, and, and you know a direct comment, a direct quote from him was, "You want to serve your Commonwealth? This is your best chance. We need you." Yeah. And that in itself is a great line, and the fact that he, I like the fact that they've said the Commonwealth because you know, people need to remember. Um, Boston is, is obviously in Connecticut. It's, it's not a st- it's not one of the official states. It is, but it isn't because it's a Commonwealth in its own right. So it could actually class itself as an independent state away idea, from that's... the United States. Right. Is there a particular reason for that? I mean, you seem to know about this more than I do. Is there a particular reason for that? Uh, well, there are actually three states and. Sorry, Massachusetts is one of them. Not Connecticut. Massachusetts is one of them, um, which is obviously where Boston is. And there were just three states that were never really properly unionised. So they're still classed as Commonwealths. Right. Okay. That's, well, that, that line suddenly makes more sense to me. I think it'll, it'll be. But... It is, it is classed as, as its own kind of independence. You know, they could, they could have their own their own government if they wanted. Right. That's no. That's that's interesting. But history, I never realised that it was never something I really looked into. To be honest with you. Um, well, okay. you know, as you know, my ex-wife was Amer- was American, so I kind of looked it up. <laughs> no, that, um, that, that makes sense to do that. No, it was mainly just to kind of win arguments. <laughs> if history yeah. is good for anything, it's good for winning arguments. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we've covered Dignam a bit. Uh, we can talk about uh, Queen and the other cop in just a moment. Um, 
Queen and by the way, I love the way he spends his entire time apologizing for Dignam. <laughs> yes, you see, he I, really does. He's a nice guy, really. You know? We just have to get used to his abusive and abrasive language. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Um, Mark, you know, the, the Martin Sheen character, he's, he's, he's not trying to play anyone but Martin Sheen, and I don't think he ever needs to. No, he's one of those... I wouldn't, I wouldn't go so far as to say that he's typecast so much as he's good at what he does. He, he's amazing at what he does, and, you know, hats off to the guy. He's, he's stuck around the business, and he's still making good work. He's still doing good work. Absolutely. You know, he's able, he's able to pick and choose his, his, his roles now. Uh, obviously, the success of the West Wing helped, helped massively with that as well. But I I wouldn't have believed it was his first part in a Scorsese movie. I know what you mean. I mean, he, he seems... I mean, I, I, I do want to go on to Martin Scorsese in just a minute, because I, I do have... Um, I think he's integral to how this film was made. Um, but let's... Um, Let's talk about the Frank Costello character um, for a little while. The, um, uh, Jack, Jack Nicholson um, is, is play, uh, plays Frank Costello. Good God, what a scary man. I, to be honest, the first time I saw this, I thought, you know, th- this, is the, this is one of the scariest villains I've ever seen. And he's... He's actually based off a few real-life gangsters. I can believe it, to be honest with you. I can believe there were real people like this out there. Because um, you've got, obviously, the famous James Whitey Bulger, who Johnny Depp recently played in a movie. Oh, was that in... What? Um... Oh, yes, I saw that. Black Mass. Yeah. Another one was uh, a New York gangster called Maya Lansky. Right. You know, harks back to the days of Al Capone. So it was based off kind of three real life, two of them kind of all, you know, 20s, 30s gangsters, and one of them more recent. And as I say, he is absolutely terrifying. And yet, you get the feeling from Costello that he. I hesitate to say that he's a good man when it comes down to it and that he's wanting to do his best for other people because clearly he isn't, but he seems to want to take people under his wing and and I think saying that he wants to help them is a bit of a stretch because clearly he doesn't want to help them. It's a means to an end for him. He just wants them to do his bidding. So do you think it's a stretch to say that he's a good guy? I I think it, it, it probably is. I think it's... I don't think it's a stretch to say he's probably got good intentions in what he in what he tries to do. Because he does... He's kind of... In nature's obviously built... You know, the... Um, he he nurtures the you know the character the, the Matt Damon character and Colin Sullivan. And he's been from near the very beginning as well. Yeah, and and kind of takes him under his wing and says, you know, I think for him it, it's it's not about doing right for him. It's about doing right for, if you will, his people. You know. He, he, in some in some very colourful language, especially at the beginning, he talks about you know the guineas and Oof. you know yeah, and there is there is that kind of divide across, especially Midwestern America. There is that kind of divide where it's you've got Hispanic, Hispanic neighbourhoods, Irish neighbourhoods, and you know and. It's 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 very much a secular community, and that they will stick to their own. And anyone coming in from outside is is treated quite harshly. Very much so, yes. Yeah. So, 
I think he, you know, you've got the you've got the got the scene in the shop, and you know, just going in, threatening the shopkeeper. Um, you know, you've opened, and it was basically you've opened the shop in the wrong area. Yeah, um, I mean, he he's almost he's kind of being pleasant, but not at the same time. He's he's being menacing. I think yeah. it. You know, he's uh, quietly menacing, is the way I'd, is the way I'd say it. Because um, it's, it's kind of like, I don't know how best to put it, but he's kind of like a rock, you know, let's say you're walking down the, down the street and you see a coat on the floor. Yeah. But it's, it's kind of moving. <laughs> okay. He, so you pick up the coat. There's a load of snakes underneath. Yeah. He's that that that's Frank Costello. He he's the writhing mass of snakes covered. Yeah, and I mean it, it's it's fair to say that everybody gets great lines um, in in this film. There's there's there's, there's too many lines to quote in this. I mean, I'm just going through the quotes. Um, I'm, I'm going through the quotes now because there's one that I specifically wanted to find. Um, you know, there's just too many good ones, but the main one that you get at the very beginning um, of the film is um, when you decide to be something you can be, that's what they don't tell you in church. When I was, all, when I was your age, they would say you've become a cop or a criminal. Today, what I'm saying to you is this. When you're facing a loaded gun, What's the difference? What's the difference? And it's a great line. It really it is. Because it, it, it suggests it doesn't matter what side you're on. If you're going to die, you're going to die. And which is it better to be? Which side is it better to be on? I mean, obviously, from his perspective, he's, you know, it's like, well, you know what? One holding a gun. Yeah. Does it really matter? Just because you've got a badge doesn't necessarily mean an awful lot. Yeah, it's not. It's not. It's not about. It's about power. And especially in places like Boston, a, the badge doesn't give you power. You know, over here, you can't, we have a bit, a bit of fear and respect for our for our policemen. In America, where everyone's got guns, it's a bit of a different matter. Absolutely. Um, so the next character I want to talk about because she did annoy me a little bit and this was a character who wasn't actually in um, the Infernal Affairs film it was never it was never used as a catalyst um, is the uh, Madeleine character played by um, Vero Farmiga and I've probably just massacred her name um, she basically plays a now I want to get this right I believe she is a psychiatrist in this film. Yeah, um, she, she uh, basically over here she would be a she would be a clinical psychiatrist or psychoanalyst. Because from what I remember, the differences between the two of them, I had once this explained to me. A psychi- a psychologist gives mental professional advice. A psychiatrist gives mental advice, but she can also but they can also subscribe medication. Yeah, I think I'm, that's correct. I don't think psychologists can subscribe medication. I, th- I, th- I think psychologists as well look at, you know, psychi- psychiatrists shrinks, if you will. They try and dig down to the root cause. You know, there's something in your childhood or, you know, you saw Uncle Teddy touching Mommy under the Christmas tree or whatever it <laughs> might be. So they try and go into the kind of root cause of it. Yeah, I mean... The, the reason I don't like her very much is I think she gives medication far too quickly and far too easily. Um, he seems to be able to talk her into giving him Valium with virtually no questions asked. And she's also very underpowered. She doesn't seem yeah, to be able to yeah, control yeah. them. Because that, that's basically what he does. He, he says, you know, what do you... You're not gonna give me pills. What well, am I meant to do? You go out and score, score some crack. Yeah. And uh, you know, you, you say that to a psychologist, they'll tell you to fuck off. Exactly. After office. 
they, they would. They'd tell you to get out of your office and they'd probably call the police. And, and then, of course, you say around says, you know, you've got the classic signs of a of someone who's just to get drugs. Yeah. So, don't give them a fucking prescription for drugs, then? Very much so. And for God's sake, don't sleep with your own fucking patients. Yeah. That's a, that's a big, big model. <laughs> no. Get up before the review board. I mean, I don't care if she is hot, and I don't care the fact that Billy is quite an attractive, charming young man. You don't sleep with him. It's quite as simple as that. Yeah, I mean, surely psychiatrists have got to take the Hippocratic Oath. Absolutely. And, and what annoyed me the most was she clearly doesn't know how to use a computer. <laughs> because if she did, she would either know how to run a virus scanner on machine, or she'd at least turn off the alerts. Yeah, well... And, and that really bugged me, actually, because it, I didn't pick up on it at first, and this is going to sound incredibly geeky, and I'm sure you're going to forgive me for this, Mike, but one thing that made it very clear between cuts and the fact that it hadn't been cutting one long going, it, obviously we're not going to expect that, is that at some point you saw um, virus updates from McAfee, and on other occasions you didn't see updates from McAfee, and it was all just a bit strange, but there we are, I picked up on it. To be honest, it's not the kind of thing I was I was particularly looking at. Um, oh really? What were you so, uh, I mean, I knew you call yourself a geek. No, I call myself a nerd, sir. <laughs> oh, I'm different. sorry. You learn the difference. <laughs> you insult my people. Yes, I do, but also I insult mine. To be fair. Um, <laughs> So I mean, what what did you what did you think about her in general going between um, Billy and and Colin? You know, what what was your what was your opinion on her in general, and and how did you think she was played? I think she was so fucking good at her job. She should have spotted something going on. Yeah, <laughs> maybe she did. Maybe she knew, but she just couldn't say anything. Uh, oh, I don't well. think so. I mean, let's face it. She was she was shagging, she was shagging at least one, and uh, it was hinted towards the second. Yes, yes. So, you know, how, how do you get that close to someone and not know them? Is is my question. <laughs> um, so she was living with she was living with Colin. She actually moved yeah. in. And didn't twig until the very end that something was rotten in Denmark with him. And only after uh, Billy played on the tape. Well, yeah. Well, only after she found it. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. And, you know, what a lucky find that was. If he hadn't fucking addressed the envelope, you know, who knows what would have happened. Um, so I think the next character, and I think we'll we'll stop talking about characters after this one because there are just so many characters. As I say, we could, you know, we could spend a long time talking about them. Is a character who, to be honest with you, I don't know an awful lot about because I'm not really a gun and gangsters type movie type watcher. Um, this is one of the few that I actually I actually enjoy. Um, Mr. Winston as Mr. French. Mr. French. Mr. French is, is what what would be called um, a fixer. Okay. Um, so basically, he's he's the guy people go to when they've got a problem. No matter how dirty the problem may be, he's the one that sorts things out. And you know, he, he's not the boss. He's if you want to put it in mafia terms, he's the underboss. He's not the he's not the Godfather, but he's he's the next one down from the Godfather. Do you think he wanted to take over from Costello, or do you think he was quite happy being where he was? I I think he was probably happy being where he was. You know, I don't think he he craved the power in the way that Costello did. Um, I think he was happy being being feared and respected in equal measure. And let's face it, if you're going to ha if you're going to, Want to hire someone to be feared, feared and respected? 
what better actor than, than Ray Winston? Indeed. Yeah. Role. I mean, I I think the I think the casting between Winston and um, Nicholson working together was wonderful. I think that was. I I can't imagine you know another two actors playing off each other in the same way that I can't imagine um, you know anyone other than Mark Wahlberg and Alec Baldwin playing off against each other. It just works and it's beautiful. Uh- I mean, one, one last thing I will say off the characters is these are not small characters. They are writ large across the screen. Each one makes an impression. Definitely, yeah. They're, they're not easily forgettable characters. No, and they're not they're, they're not caric- caricatures either. They're not kind of whimsical pistics. They are serious. Meat and, meat and bones characters. Absolutely. I mean, I recently said, um, you know, on I recently reviewed a new film recently um, on mine and Derek's show, uh, a film called Free Fire, which had an awful lot of big names in it, and it was basically a massive shootout film. And the problem was that there were so many characters, you didn't have time to connect with them, and you didn't really have time to care about them. Whereas in this, I think you did have time to connect to these characters. I did think you, I do think you had a time to learn about them, and you do have a chance to care about them. So it built up every character, and it showed, you know, if if a character had motivation to do something, it showed what the motivation was, and that's something Scorsese has always done very well. Is his characters? He he knows his characters. Absolutely. Um, okay, so I think that's a good time to to go on to Scorsese. I mean, you know, what what do, what do you think of Scorsese generally as a director o- overall? I mean, I'll be honest here. I've not watched a lot of his work. Uh, certainly not his early work. You know. Um, I'm just gonna have a look through through his filmography. I've seen Wolf of Wall Street, yep. Goodfellas, Shutter Island, and um, Jump Director. Uh, um, but really, yeah, the Aviator. Yeah, he was the director of the Aviator. Gangs of New York, never seen. Bringing up the Dead, I enjoyed because that was just a crazy Nicholas Cage performance. Um, the Color of Money didn't know he directed that um, but I've not seen a lot of his early work as I say um, Mean Streets Taxi Driver Raging Bull I've not seen any of them I want to see Raging Bull and Taxi Driver which are both actually showing um, at yours and mine's um, local art cinema fact um, over the next few weeks or the next few months so that could be a uh... That could be a nice little outing. Um, that could be us. a big trip on the car today. And um, we could um, we we could do interviews. We could do rather um, we could do something for them. Um, I've heard of Mean Streets. I've I've never really seen it. I mean, he is he's one of those directors that if his name is attached to it, you know there's got to be something good about it. And rather like Quentin Tarantino. He's got a very, he's very stylistic. You know his style. I couldn't imagine anybody else directing this film. It, I, despite the fact that it wasn't his original idea, it was his film. I think well, it's Scott, as simple as that. Just a note there: Scorsese didn't realize this was a remake until until after the film was completed. I don't think. A lot of people did, because as good as Infernal Affairs is, and it is very good, it I don't seem to remember it getting an awful lot of traction at the time. Um, I saw I saw um, Infernal Affairs in a very small theatre um, back in my hometown of Crockmouth, and it was basically played for one night. Virtually no one knew about it. I still don't know why it was chosen to be shown that night. And I'd certainly never heard about it. But, you know, I was in college. I was studying film. It was like, oh, right, a Japanese film. Well, you know, I know about film. Therefore, I shall go and watch this art piece. And God knows I'm glad that I did. 
I don't know how well known this film is. Uh, so Infernal Affairs is, to be perfectly honest with you. I mean, yeah. had you heard of Infernal Affairs before you saw The Departed and you, and you just hadn't chose to watch it, or had you never heard of Infernal Affairs at all? I th- I'm trying to remember, because I, I saw The Departed when it first came out. You saw it I'm in the cinema? To, uh, sorry, on DVD. Hmm. Um, I'm trying to remember if I had heard of it or not. Possibly I had, um, but not entirely certain is the answer, because it, it was that many years ago. Um, if I did hear about it, it was, it was probably from you, actually. Hmm. Because um, I know you love your, your recent cinema, and you know it was something that we we always talk about. Yeah. Um, but I'm trying to think. I honestly can't remember if I heard that it was a remake or if somebody said, you know, it's a remake, but watch it because it's it's worth it as a standalone movie. It's not The Ring. It's not you know The Grudge. It's its own movie. And I can't see... remember. Sorry? Uh, could you see someone like Tarantino directing this and directing it well? Or do you think if in a way it's too big for Tarantino? I think the cat... I, I, I couldn't see Tarantino doing it purely because... And I said this to you earlier in conversation. Yeah. I thought this made... Reservoir Dogs look look like something you'd see on CBBS. Mm. Quite frankly, it was violent and brutal in a way that yes, Tarantino is Tarantino can be violent and brutal, but he's also at times quite cartoonish with his violence. It's real violence in a Tarantino film. I mean, I was talking to my dad about. Reservoir Dogs of the Week, because he was saying to me, you know, what films have come out in the last 20 years that would be considered classics? And I said, Reservoir Dogs has to be up there. And he was like, oh yeah, it's all violence and swearing and everything. It was like, if you can look past the swearing, and if you look past the violence, and let's face it, there's not an awful lot of violence in Reservoir Dogs. It's a brilliantly made film. I remember clearly when Reservoir Dogs came out, and when it came out on VHS, my dad sent me to, sent me to Blockbuster to buy a copy. Yeah. Um. So I cycled up there, you know, I think it was $9.99 X-Rental. And this was the week it came out. And of course, all the talk about it before that had been, it's been banned, it's brutal, it's hot, you know. You see this guy's ear get cut off. So for me, you, you know, I'm a I'm a gore hound, and I was watching it. And I thought they got banned for this. Yeah. What? You don't even, you you know, and of course I found out later that you know it's 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 implied violence, and people thought because it was such a memorable scene, people and you could polygraph them, they'd pass. People would swear blind that they'd seen his ear getting cut off. They hadn't. They'd seen silhouettes on the wall. I mean, it's a horrible film. There's no doubt about it. It's, it's graphic. It's violent. It's nasty. But like you say, in comparison to, in comparison to Departed, it's it's not even on. It's not even in the same league. I mean, I'm, yeah, there's there's just too many violent acts really to remember. But I think the main one that I remember is um, when. Um, when the Billy character is in a restaurant just eating and there's uh, two of Costello gang members or I think they're part of Costello's gang it was never fully explained it was never fully said um, you know shouting at him and Billy just turns around beats up one guy throwing him into a fridge floors the floors the other guy and starts hitting him in the face with what looked like a load of spikes on a coat rack I think it was a coat rack and they don't shy away. It's like, oh god, that's just, it, 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 it's it's almost one of those. It's, it's one it's of brutal. those levels of violence where it's just like, oh come on, no, you can't do that. It, it, it's like when you watch Twenty Four and you see Jack Bauer sticking a biro 
on in the underside of someone's kneecap. It's like, oh come on, no, that's yeah. just not nice. Yeah, it, 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 it is. It's it's a very it's a very real violence. Where where as I say with Tarantino, his violence can is it does get cartoonish, especially if you've, if you've seen Hateful Eight. Uh, yes. Don't know, I love I love that movie. But if the Squibs guy was having a laugh. Very much so, yes. You know, going overboard there, just getting his money's worth out of the day's work, I think. And again, I love the movie, but come on, come on, Quentin. Nobody's got that much blood in them. <laughs> okay, so we've spent quite a bit of time already talking about the characters, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I think I think it was. I think it was good talking about the characters and talking about them. And as I said at the beginning, I think talking about the storyline of this film will be here all night. So I don't think we should necessarily focus in time. I don't think we should talk about the storyline um, all the way through. So, mate, you said that you'd make notes, which is good, because I didn't make any notes, to be perfectly honest with you. I Once again, I just sat back and loved this film all the way through. So talk, talk to me about your notes. What As, as someone... Who clearly loves this film? What 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 do you want to say about this? It was it was more kind of, if you will, just just quippy lines, I suppose. That I thought I'd, I'd try and get in, saying you know that this is it is a film that will drag you along the streets, tied to your tied by your ankles to the back of a car. It. it it is that violence, that that oppressive, um, and it it's a, it's a moral ground zero. It's you know everyone dies, everyone dies at the end, and there's there's no redemption for any character, which is something I love about it. Is that the good guys don't win, the the bad guys don't win, nobody wins. Yeah, the, the last man, the, the one man left standing is Diglum at the very end of it. Yeah. I'd love to see a spin-off of just, you know, a Diglum movie, which apparently was planned, but it has never come to fruition yet. Well, he was so good. You know, he, he just he just was. Um, I mean, in, in, terms of, in terms of the shock that you saw in this film... Um, I think the main one has to be where um, Queenan is thrown out of the building, and you just see Matt Damon. Sorry, the um, the uh, the bloke Billy. Billy, yeah. Um, you you see him walking around the side of the building, trying to keep it cool, trying to keep it calm, and whilst you're walk whilst you're watching him walking around the corner, you can see Queenan fall into his death. So you know that he's already gone. And then suddenly, slap bang in front of the Billy character, you see him go splat onto the pavement. Yeah. And his reaction of, what the hell do I do now? Dignam's gone. Queenan's dead. What, who yeah, the hell do I turn to now? Not know his story. You know, they're the only two guys who know he's a cop. They're the only guys who know who he really is. Yeah, exactly. Which which allows you know Matt Damon to to kind of bury him. And you know you kind of go, guys, what? Where was your backup plan in case? Because yeah. <laughs> this is the kind of thing that if you if you were to look at it objectively, you go, right, shit's gonna get fucked up. What should we do to make sure we can unfuck it? If he gets fucked up, let's have a backup plan. Let's sell someone else, but not sell anyone else that they know. You know, bring a third party in. Yeah. Yeah. There, there, you're right. There didn't seem to be a backup plan, or or what was going to happen if something did happen. It, you know, it's it's called planning for a fucking rainy day. <laughs> Especially in the Metropolitan Police or, or whatever they were, not not the Metropolitan Police were they? Well, State Police. State Police. That's it. It's one of the same, really, isn't it? But it, it's 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 like, and 
you can't put this guy who's you know, a rookie cop for all intents and purposes. You can't frame him, send him to prison, tell everyone that he's a disgraced ex-cop. And only two people, two other people in the entire world are going to know that he's still with the cops. Although I did think it was a bit strange that this guy was undercover, that no one knew who he was, okay? Let's say no one knew who he was. He was a disgraced policeman, he'd been in prison, etc. And yet, they didn't seem to hide him around the station, as it were. Yeah, I mean, they, was... they basically, the, the Matt Damon and the Leonardo DiCaprio character effectively meet at the very beginning of the, of the film. You know, yeah, they don't say hello to each other, but they basically meet up. Is they could have gone for coffee. And when, when you see them talking, you can see there's just a glass window between the two of them. Would they not think that that was just a little bit suspicious? I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm, maybe I wasn't paying attention, or maybe I'm reading too much into this. I was outside the captain's office the other week. You know, as I came out for my interview. Yeah. It's like you know, it's. I'm sorry if I'm if I've just been picked up for a job. Uh, I'm being interviewed by the boss. I'm gonna notice who else is outside the office. I'm gonna look around because. Apart from anything else, you're gonna get talking to people while you're the, what, just while you're waiting. You know. Yeah. So the fact that they both been waiting outside his captain's office and not even glanced at each other, and then they both end up basically working on opposite sides. Because yeah, because at, at the start of it, you see Billy um, working. And talking with someone who clears his best friend, and at the very end of it, it's revealed like, "Oh, you know this prick." Well, yeah, I used, you know, you know me. We used to work together. How did they never bump into each other in the station? I fuck knows because it. I mean, they're wrong. Well, some of those American buildings, so they are gonna be, you know, fairly big. But you know, you you working within within a department in that police station. It's it's like saying the fucking the IT guys are never gonna bump into each other. <laughs> Bullshit. You know they're working in one office. It's the same yeah. office in this case. The same fucking office for the same guy. They, they're gonna. They've gotta meet up at some stage, surely. Apart from anything else, the amount of time they were both on undercover. How many cops are going to retire? You're telling me, in an Irish town like Boston, you know, you're going to have cops retire and cops leaving the force for other jobs. Like they didn't once go out and get pissed for someone's leaving, do. <laughs> and say something to each other. Yeah. I, I, I mean, again, we are talking... Boston is a very Irish city. If if you if you fucking knock down a building, it, 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 it'd be green rubble. <laughs> um, the next thing I'd like to talk about, and this is possibly going to get a little bit geekish and nerdish, and apologise for that right away. But the other thing I liked about this film was ju- was the direction and the shots that were used throughout the film, and the one that sticks out for me the most, really, um was wherein they were in the briefing room and Diggum, uh, sorry, Digdum rather, and the Alec Baldwin character, whose name has once again gone out of my, has gone out of my head, the Ellaby character, are talking. And the camera is just panning around them and then switching between the two of them saying their pieces, etc. And I just thought, I just thought the camera work in this was very well done. I thought it was very well shot. There didn't seem to be, um, any wasted motion in this film. Everything was filmed for a purpose. There, there was, as I say, there was no wasted motion. Everything was done for a well, reason. There were no lingering, you know, shots of scenery, you know, just background shots that were there for, for no apparent reason. 
it's it's a film that's it's full of dialogue, and that's one of the things I actually like about it is that it doesn't it doesn't shut up at any yeah. point. You know, it doesn't, doesn't the pace doesn't let up either. It it doesn't feel. I mean, some of a movie here. What's the running time? Two and, uh, and a half hours. And it doesn't feel like it at any point. It doesn't drag. Uh, it's because they, they just keep going at the same pace. I think it's very difficult to get. I think it would be very difficult to get bored. I, I mean, this is the kind of film I could watch again and again. Um, Agreed. It, you know, I enjoy it every time. It's and there are very, very few films I can honestly say that about. What, another one of Scorsese's Wolf of Wall Street is one that I can I can enjoy, just because the performances and DiCaprio's especially in that are they are they they are brilliant, and I love the the, the Carl Reiner or is it Carl or Rob no Carl Reiner, you know the, the swearing abusive dad, you know <laughs> who, who picks up the phone with a, with a British accent. <laughs> That is a brilliant scene. It really is. Um, and again, that that speaks to Scorsese's direction, his his pacing. You know, that's a film that's three hours long, and it doesn't ever feel like it. Absolutely not. And it's I, I when I when I watched um, when I watched Wolf of Wall Street. I was convinced that the character that played the undercover um, FBI agent was actually in this film for some reason. He just reminded me of him, but clearly it wasn't him. And I've checked that a million times every time I've seen it, but he uh, he wasn't in it. Um, and I would love to cover um, Wolf of Wall Street because I think that would be a fantastic film to talk about. Definitely. Well, we've been going for nearly an hour, and you know, I I think. I think, in a way, we have kind of rambled a little bit in this. Now, I, I don't mean that with any disrespect to you, Mike. I mean that more to me, to be honest with you. Because I do think that this is a difficult film to talk about. It's a film I wanted to cover because I really think it is a film that is worth watching. And I think it is a classic. But I still think it's difficult to cover it. It's, it's difficult to, to do it justice to, you know... In any time frame, as I say, I think we could spend probably a full day just talking about the plot. And yeah. we still barely have touched the surface. I mean, I, I imagine I imagine that if you and me had gone to see this at the cinema together and, you know, you turned around to me or I turned around to you and said, do you want to go for a pint? Seven pints later, we'd still be talking about the film. Yeah, definitely. And, and that's definitely. not to say that me and Mike put put it away. It's just that we probably would because it is. There is just so and much we, to talk about. And we and we do put them away. Well, we do. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I I'm agree, I'm agreed on that. It, it, it's a it's one of those films that I could I, I could talk about it, and you know we've. Spoken, spoken about it at length, and we've tried to cover as much as we can, without getting too far off the beaten track. Um, and as I say, we we barely even touched the surface. I, I think it's a wonderful movie. It's yeah. not one that I'd necessarily sit down and show grandma and grandpa if you were alive. But no, no. Um, but it, it's definitely a film that I would I would recommend to anyone to sit down if you've got a couple of hours spare, if you're not sure what you should watch instead of, instead of putting Coronation Street on, put this on. I mean, for yourself. As, as I said at the beginning, I'm not the world's biggest fan of gangster films. That they're, they're, they're films that, to me, I. I mean, I've never seen The Godfather one or two, and I've not seen three. Although I've been warned against seeing three. On bottom three. Um, and I don't know why I've never sat down and watched them because I'm sure they are films that I would like. But the thing is, when I watch a film, I want it to be, and this is going to sound a bit big-headed on my part, and for that I apologise. 
But I like my films to be a bit cleverer than just bang, 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 bang. Oh, you motherfucker, you shot my fucking wife, etc., etc., etc. This film is not that. It's far cleverer than that. In our case, Chris, I have to recommend that you immediately go and watch The Godfather. I will watch it. I will I'll give it a go, because it's one of those films that I know is a classic. The, the God, I mean, I, I think, in a way, you've kind of unfairly categorised... I probably have. I probably um, have. It's because, you know, certainly some gangster films can can be, uh, uh, you, dirty, you dirty motherfucker, and, you know, get the Tommy guns out. <laughs> and there were wrong, there are part of the, the Godfather where that does happen but the Godfather and, and this movie are more about more than just it being about gangsters it's, it's they're very much character films I mean one, one of my favourite gangster films of all time really isn't you know it, it is a film that you could show to Grandma and Grandpa if they, still, if they were still alive Bugs Malone uh, oh, the kids one. Yeah, I, and and I feel wrong saying that now that you now that you said it that way. But it is a brilliant gangster film. It's a musical. It's a kids musical. But it's very grown up at the same time. It. I ain't doing wrong. I loved it as a kid, and yet it is a great movie. But um, I don't think you can call it a gangster film, Chris. Oh, come on, it is. It's about two opposing gangs who, 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 who throw custard pies at each other. And, and you know, and, and, and they talk in that accent, which I'm not going to try, but they talk around calling each other, wise gang, see? And it's... How can you not call it a gangster film? They have Tommy guns. And they drive around in those cars go- from the 50s and they have sarsaparilla bars and everything. I I can say it's not a gangster movie in the same way I can say Westworld isn't a western. <laughs> oh come on, that is an entirely unfair comparison. It's not. No, no, I'm not going to stand for this, Larkin. I, I'm not going to stand for this. No, Bugs and Malone no, is a gangster no, film. It's set in the old west. It's set in the old west. It's not a western. No, no, I can't let this go. It's a gangster film. How can you not think it's a gangster film? I think they have zoot suits and toy guns. Oh, okay. Oh man. Oh god, I can't get over this. Sacrilege! You bring in sacrilege. Upon the gangster I'm, bring, I'm bringing you sacrilege. You're sacrilege in the. Right, I'm looking this up now. I want to find out what IMDb says about Bugs and Malone because you, you, you're just wrong. Let's see what they've got to Wait, say. For this. I'm going to look myself. Oh, come on, it's got Scott Bio in. Nothing but Scott Bio is a gangster movie. <laughs> what? Okay, what's Scott Bio done? Let's have a look at his IMDb page because I am actually interested in what he's actually done. <laughs> he was in Charles in Charge. <laughs> Oh god, he's actually done a lot to be fair. I mean, not much. He was in Happy Days. He was was Fonzie's cousin in Happy Days. Fonzie's cousin can't be a gangster. I'm laying down the law on this now. Okay. It's got comedy, crime, family. Oh my god, it's directed by Alan Parker. Okay, yeah, I'll I'll give you this much. In the storyline, which was written by Steve at brainstorm.co.uk, it does characterise it as a gangster movie where all the gangsters are played by children. But it's not a gangster movie. Oh, it's so good to be right. 
Hey, listen, just because Steve at Brainstorm says it's a gangster movie doesn't mean it's a gangster movie. <laughs> well, much in, a, much in the same way you wouldn't go through a vet just to see, to see about your ingrown toenail. No, well, no, you wouldn't. But that. <laughs> no. Okay. Do we have anything more to say about um? What, 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 do we have anything more to say about The Departed except for go and see it? It's a wonderful film. Uh, no, I'd say it's, it's Sunday afternoon. You've got solo all else to do. You've had your roast dinner. Go and watch the movie now. You know, download it, stream it, go out and borrow a copy off a, off a friend or a relative, a neighbour. Just do everything you can to watch this movie. Because you will, you will enjoy it. It's it's a gangster movie that's not about the gangsters. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's fair to say. Right. Well, I think. I think that's aha aha. Here we go. My friend Lucas happens to believe that Bugs and Malone is a gangster film. So there you go. Anyway, we'll stop that there. Yeah. So. <laughs> Thank you very much for joining me once again, Mike. As always, it has been a pleasure, sir. Oh, absolutely pleasure on my part as well. Um, if, you've made, if you've made it this far into the podcast, thank you very much. I appreciate that I was a little bit all over the place in this. Um, normal service will resume next time with a lot more notes on my part, because normally I'm a lot better at making notes than this. Um, so thank you for listening to Sunday Afternoon Films. Um, this has been a production for the Iconochromatic Podcast Network. If you like what you've heard, please consider subscribing. These are available on the SoundLide audio database. You can also listen to me and Derek listening to newer films, which we put out twice a month, where we usually talk for at least an hour and a half about the latest releases. Um, usually me shouting at Derek and then Derek shouting at me because he happens to think I'm wrong even though I am right because I am Mark Mode as he knows but he just won't listen and yes, thank you very much for listening and we'll see you next time bye bye good afternoon folks this has been Sunday Afternoon Films with me Christopher Windsor on the podcast network Iconochromatic thank you for listening bye bye